Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. Peace and blessings and welcome to this edition of the How Now podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. I am your host, Kim Martin Raymond. I am a minister, spiritual life coach, author, and founder of Redefining You LLC, where I help my clients to realign themselves, mind, body, and spirit. And if this is your first time joining us on the How Now podcast, welcome to the show. Be sure that you go to my website, www.hownowpodcast.com, pick your favorite podcast platform to listen to and make sure that you like follow and subscribe you can also go to the bottom of the page where you will see a banner for this week's show make sure you click on that and it will take you to the how now youtube channel where you can check out some of our shows in review and in replay and you can also like follow and subscribe there as well so you know when our shows are coming up again that is www.hownowpodcast.com so let's get into today's show where we'll be talking about suffering and gaining emotional freedom and to help me with that is my guest here to my left. And as is customary with the How Now podcast, I'm going to have him to introduce himself at this time. Thank you for having me on, Kim. My name is Matthew Brownstein. I'm the CEO of Anahat Education Group, the executive director of the Institute of Interpersonal Hypnotherapy and the president of the Institute of Inter... Inter- the president of the International Association of Interpersonal Hypnotherapists. Somebody's usually reading yes. this for me. Um, I've also <laughs> founded Sightline Publishers, IG Business Networking Groups. But generally, uh, I would say I'm actually a monk at heart, even though I wear a suit. Um, I've lived in monasteries and ashrams. I've lived in the Himalayas and India and different spiritual communities. Uh, so my whole path has been really about spirituality and being of service to others. Uh, but I found that I had a calling, I have a mission. So I needed to be in the world, be more professional. And that really relates a lot to hypnotherapy and the deeper changes we can make in the mind by using those type of modalities. And that's where I think we're a good fit by talking about how do we relieve suffering with my background in spirituality, as well as in hypnotherapy. It's really all about, well, one, how to relieve suffering, but two, how to move us into, you might say, a more enlightened or self-realized state where the world's wisdom traditions teach there is a way to be free of suffering. And so it's more of a movement towards um, that the deeper teachings that those traditions offer. Yeah. Well, I am so glad that you are here with us to talk about this subject because, you know, it has been a, a critical time in the lives of many people as a result of this pandemic that we are still in. There are some who have suffered loss. There are some who have had to, uh, you know, make some, hardcore decisions about the things that are going on in their lives. They've had to make some pivots and have had to make some adjustments and it has not been, you know, without its challenge. And then of course, as the holidays are approaching, you know, there are going to be those who, you know, begin to suffer from depression. And so there are so many things that are going on and there are so many modalities that are available for us. Like you said, with hypnotherapy, you know, those who are, are, are seeking to, you know, to engage with people on a professional level to address some of the the issues that are going through. 
You know, and one thing that's important here at the How Now podcast is that we talk about our ability to cope, which is the acronym for create our peaceful existence. What are some things that we can do to create our peaceful existence? So I'm happy that you're here to talk with us about, you know, some of those modalities and some things that we can do to help us to to move from a space of, of fear and of misunderstanding to a space of understanding and empowerment. So again, I'm happy that you're here with us today. Okay. Now talk to me a little bit about some of the things that were going on in your practice prior to the pandemic. Yeah. So my private practice, I really haven't seen clients full-time. I started in 1997. I saw clients for 10 years full-time, yet I opened Florida's first state licensed hypnotherapy school in 2007. So for 15 years, we mostly have been training hypnotherapists. Uh, so my practice is largely running a school, uh, but I was pretty well semi-retired and still am uh, running the school. And honestly, I was so semi-retired before the pandemic. I'm a avid advanced paragliding pilot. So I was traveling the world. I was in Colombia and Brazil, uh, Costa Rica, Colombia. And then uh, it was in January of 2020 that we were paragliding in Brazil. We were like flying around the Christ the Redeemer statue. So, you know, life was like oh, nice. a top of the world phenomenal. And then we started hearing this rumor about some horrible pandemic. And we were like, wow, we better get on a plane and get out of Brazil and get back to the right. States. And then you know, we heard what was happening. So honestly, yeah, I was literally flying around the world um, when that happened. But as far as what changed, we realized as a school, we can't put our students into the same classroom, right? We didn't know anything about COVID, how bad that was going to be. Um, so we actually ended up renting big hotel ballrooms to get at least 10 feet of social distancing in between each student. And we didn't have a single student get sick. We got every student through the training at that time. So it was super expensive to rent out the hotel ballrooms. But uh, I am proud to say none of our students got sick. We took really good measures. Uh, but a lot of, I'm sure people in the education field were really hurting chiropractic, acupuncture, massage. You yeah. can't touch, you have to touch people in those trainings. Fortunately, with hypnotherapy, we were able to do the training online, but more specifically, perhaps to your listeners who might be interested in hypnotherapy as a modality, uh, we found we can do it 100% online. Uh, even though my private practice was exclusively in my office, this day and age, it's perfectly fine. Like We see great results to train people online and to do the sessions themselves online. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure that was a little bit of a change, you know, being, being in the, the field and being a former educator myself, I know it was a challenge for some who were used to being in, you know, in the classroom, used to being, you know, hands-on, uh, you know, with, you know, with those who they were training or teaching or, or with, the, uh, with their students, you know, that was something that was, you know, it was a bit of, of a, a shift, but still able to be effective, you know, in a different way. So like you said, we, we had to make a little pivot there and how we went about teaching and, and making sure, like you, like you said, safety first. Now, was there anything that, that you had to, to add to uh, the, the curriculum, so to speak, with regards to addressing this now pandemic that was happening? 
Uh, for our curriculum, no, we didn't really have to change anything. If anything, we just had to cut a few things out. Sometimes when you're hypnotizing somebody, you do touch them. You might rock their head or lift and drop their arm. And it's like, okay, well, let's eliminate that type of stuff and see if we can still get the same results. And the truth is we still can get the same results. Uh, so we haven't had to change very much for that. We definitely implemented policies in our school to keep the students safe. People have to sign informed consent forms. But I'm not sure if your listeners want to hear all those details. But we, you know, we did adjust to that, and um, yeah, we've been running really smooth ever since. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, because there are some things, like you said, that that are were not 100% affected by by the pandemic, but you know, just certain little pivots that we had to make, you know, with regards to you know how we're dealing with people now as a coach for for myself, you know people were coming with different questions and they were coming with different issues that were coming up, you know, and we're talking on the topic of suffering and we've had some, you know, people suffer in different ways. So let's talk a little bit about how, you know, because when we hear suffering, sometimes you may think of the loss of someone and we have had some, we've had some people to experience that they have lost a loved one and they have, have, have uh, suffered through trying to, you know, figure out how, you know, or, or to, understand you know why this happened to their particular loved one or they've tried mm-hmm. to figure out you know uh you know what am I supposed to do or or how am I supposed to navigate in in that particular space especially because some were not even able to properly you know lay their family member or their their the person that was close to them to rest because of of the pandemic and because of the social distancing that had to to take place. So we've seen suffering in that way. What are some other ways that we've seen suffering for for uh the people who have uh, you know been in this pandemic for now almost 3 years? Yeah, I couldn't even begin to say all the different ways. I just know in my field, I do specialize in emotions, right? So when we have these major changes in our lives, mm-hmm. uh, generally we might say, oh, I'm really stressed. Yet if you break that down, you might say, oh, well, no, there's more anxious and depressed feelings. But if you break, so you say, I have anxiety or I have depression. But what happens usually during these intense things is we have to deal with our stuff, the deeper emotions underneath, like, oh, everything is okay, you know, underneath the mask, and then underneath even the word like stress, or even words like anxious or depressed, we have a whole bunch of emotions, the hurt that we all carry from, you know, long ago. It's not necessarily the pandemic that causes our feelings, it's that we're carrying feelings from childhood that are unresolved, right? So the hurt, the fear, the sadness, the anger, the guilt, the grief, that stuff tends to just get triggered during any traumatic or challenging time. So that's what I, I've noticed no matter what, whether it's a pandemic or not, right. people tend to suffer because they don't know what to do with their emotions. And so, okay, something's happening, but really if you think about a pandemic and you're afraid you're going to lose your job, but you haven't lost your job yet, but you're afraid. So the suffering is really what we're doing in our hearts and minds Um, just because information came into our five senses, but it's our own reaction internally that I believe is really the majority of where we're suffering. I mean, sure, there's really traumatic things happening outside of our skin or you get a virus inside of your skin, but a lot of it is actually just because of how we're using our minds and the way we're reacting to these stimuli. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and that's a, that's an important point that you make because it is, we've been hearing so much about, you know, empathy. We've been hearing so much about self-care. We've been hearing so much about, you know, 
things that we need to be doing to to self-regulate. These are just terms that we've been hearing of late that have been around for for years and years and years, but now all of a sudden they've become buzzwords. You know, they're things that that we're hearing more and more about because there there was a disconnect. People were busy being busy. And and then when when people had to start sitting with themselves and 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 really starting to address some of the things that were going on around them, then you know you started to see that escalate a little bit more, and then you started seeing a lot more people talking about coaching and talking about hypnotherapy and talking about meditation things again, like you said, they have been around for years and years, and now all of a sudden they've come to the forefront. You know, so mm-hmm. that, that's been the challenge. And so, you know, therein lies the, the, the question of, okay, we're starting to realize these things. They're starting to to uh, surface a little bit more. How do we go about addressing that? Or how do we go about, you know, better identifying that and, and getting to a place where we're realizing that, you know, hey, I need more than, you know, just I, I can't help myself. I need that additional help. Yeah, I think it's amazing that people are more open to these topics like you're talking about. When I was in this field, in, uh, I started all this in 1992, before we even had the internet, right. and having to go figure out, well, how do I meditate? How do I get a meditation teacher? Uh, I didn't even know about hypnotherapy at the time, right. um, but it was like you have to go to the library, and you had to find a book, and if they didn't have the book, you have to go to another library. Now, people just go on YouTube, they put in the word meditation, and they get all the information they need. Right. I would suggest that anybody who's really serious about personal and spiritual growth, that they do dive deep. What we often talk about in the spiritual traditions is having like 500 radios turned to 500 different stations. So you're trying to find a consistent message, or, you know, you're trying to dig for gold, but you dig 500 different little holes, but you don't dig one really deep hole. So my experience has been to find a path that you can stick with and that can go really deep. So I think the issue now when people are saying, oh, I'm going to try meditation or I'll try hypnosis. There are, you know, 10 hour, 20 hour courses on these topics, but people who are advanced meditators, you know, spend 10, 20, 30 years developing these skill sets, a hypnotherapy training, you know, you could get a weekend workshop and call yourself a hypnotist, uh, but we've been really working to raise the standards of the profession with state licensure and just high educational standards and at least 500 hours of training. So my advice to anybody is go deep and really search for quality, right? If we're talking about really relieving human suffering, like the story of the Buddha, you know, he spent seven years of intense spiritual practice to get to a place where he could say, okay, I found a solution to suffering. Uh, but, you know, he went deep and those who really follow like that way, I'm not saying that's the only way, of course, uh, but they realize like, oh, this is a in-depth discipline. This is an advanced series of practices. And I encourage people to really respect that and to respect themselves to say, I really do want to be free of suffering. Maybe it's more than just a few YouTube videos. Right. Right. And that is important that you do those deep dives because we know that we are in an age of technology. So there are so many resources open to us. And for some, it'll seem like analysis paralysis. It's just too much information. I don't know where to begin. So so let, let's try to help guide them a little bit in that in that frame of, you know, how do I how do I get to that space of finding that deeper dive? And I guess that starts with self. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what what are some things that that uh, you know our listeners can think about 
with regards to, okay, they've gotten to a place where they just are feeling intense stress or, or, or just not feeling as though they have that they're, they're in control of what's going on. What are some things that they can begin to, to do, you know, as far as baby steps in, in preparing themselves for that journey? Cause it is, it's a journey. It, absolutely. I have two things, like hundreds, but two, I guess I could offer now. One is I'm the author of a book called Peace Under All Circumstances. I have it for free on YouTube. You can listen to the audiobook for free. So I'm not trying to plug anything to get any income here. Uh, Peace Under All Circumstances. I made that book free as an audiobook on YouTube when the pandemic came around. It's like, oh, this book was written for that. So yeah. it's a self-help type of book. It's subtitled The Ten Questions. So you ask certain questions and how you answer them really will determine whether you're going to suffer or not. Right. So question one is that you said it goes back to the self. So question one is, who am I? If we believe we're just a body and we don't acknowledge any spiritual level to our being, we're bound to suffer because the body is constantly in a state of change. And there's always duality here, up, down, good, bad, hot, cold, healthy, sick. Yet if we acknowledge that there is something within us or the real essence of us as spirit, then we can tap into an inner space of peace, which is not dependent on external conditions. So that's what that book is all about. So that's answer one. Answer two, which is on your beautiful tapestry behind you and here over my shoulders, a meditation cushion, learn to meditate. And that posture that the person behind you is sitting in some form of lotus pose. Yes. I know not everybody can do, but you know, when I get on that cushion or the others in this house, um, you know, I do sit in some type of meditative pose. So I always recommend people learn to meditate. Just do five minutes morning and evening. You don't have to stop your mind. You don't have to do it for an hour. You don't have to be good at it. Just get the discipline of starting to sit. If you can sit in a lotus pose, you can sit in a straight back chair, but just have your spine upright and just learn to watch your breathing. Just sit five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening before you're too tired at night. Watch your breath. Just become intimate with yourself. Be willing to sit with yourself. And for a lot of people without proper instruction, that's terrifying in some ways because they, a lot of people just hate themselves, right? And they are suppressing emotions. They don't want to look at aspects of their psyche. And to sit still with yourself can be the scariest thing there is. Yet, it's worth the price of admission. You do have to go through your demons. You do have to work through your layers. You can't suppress it and avoid it. Uh, if you want to truly be free of suffering, you have to work through the causes of suffering. And those are pretty much within ourselves. So when we just learn to sit meditation and we have more advanced teachings on what to do, many, but they're pretty well universal right, with your heart and mind. So yeah, I just recommend learning to sit on a meditation cushion or to sit in a chair and start that inner journey, even if it's just five minutes morning and evening. Yes. Awesome. So we lost you for a few minutes there. You froze up just a little bit, but, but we still got the, the gist oh. of what you were talking about, about the importance of sitting with oneself. And I, I love what you're saying so far, because that, that it is, it's important to, to make sure that we realize that we do identify with who we are spiritually. And I think that, you know, uh, that, that was helpful even in my journey. And, you know, those who have been following me for some time know that I lost my daughter back in, in October of 2009. And, and really so much of my spirituality is what helped me to, to, you know, get through that time, you know, without it being so 
you know, it was a traumatic time, you know, anytime someone loses a child, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, something that that's unexpected, you know, but, but being in touch with my spirituality and knowing who I serve, it was never a time where I was angry with God about mm-hmm. what happened to my child. I knew that her season and her time for being here was here. And she did all that she was, she was supposed to do. And just as she was given to me as a gift, I had to give her back, you know? And so, you know, having that understanding is what helped me through that challenging season in my life and helped me to, to be able to, to, you know, get past the suffering. You don't, you don't suppress the emotions. I'm still sad. I miss her at times. And, you know, and I allow those, those, uh, you know, emotions to flow, but it's so important that we get to a space where we are in tune with who we are and what we believe. So, so mm-hmm. that is, that is huge in, in helping us to, to get through any type of trauma or grief or things that we experience. So I love that you said that. And then of course, learning to meditate is, is something, you know, you, you get a lot of people who are like, I just can't do it. Five minutes of, like you said, yeah. just sitting with yourself and, and learning that. And we had to do that for longer than that when we weren't able to go anywhere. <laughs> you know, we wandered uh, around uh, our homes, uh, but, but we learned to, to, you know, to take some time to, to sit because, you know, you had to stop mm-hmm. for a minute. You know, we used to say many years ago, you know, stop the world. I want to get off. And then it actually stopped. <laughs> we were like, okay, n- now what? What do I do? You know? So so it is, it is important for us to be able to learn to sit with ourselves and 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 to love on ourselves enough. Because just like you said, some people don't like themselves enough to sit with themselves. You know, right. sometimes you look in the mirror and we don't like what we see. And so it is uh-huh. important that we become comfortable with the skin that we're in, because when we do that and we become more familiar with self then we can begin to allow others to know how we feel and what it is that we need mm-hmm. you know, as individuals. So I mm-hmm. love that. I love that you're, that you're talking about this. Can you share more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, I, I feel for your pain, the loss of your daughter. Um, yeah, I, you know, I've had my own challenges. And during the darkest or hardest times in my life, um, you know, not to compare anybody's pain, because like my life wasn't that challenging. But like during my challenging times, um, like here's a quick story without going into the details. I was going through a challenging time. I found myself somewhere in Europe. I was traveling all over. So it was London, but it doesn't really matter. I wasn't at my home. I wasn't with any friends or family. I checked into a hotel. Again, it was a difficult time for me. And they put me in a basement room in the hotel, which no big deal. It was a nice hotel, but there were no windows. So here I am in a foreign country by myself going through a challenging time. No, I could have picked up the phone, but there was just nothing. And the room was just black. And I'm like, all right, I've got like nothing here right now. What do I have? What resources do I have to be at peace in this moment? And it was really learning, having meditated for so long, my own consciousness became the deepest resource. And not that that was new to me, but it was like, all right, what do I know? Okay, well, let me just go deep into the fact that I'm aware. I'm aware now. The awareness is not your body. It's not your emotions. The awareness isn't harmed by your body or your emotions. You might call your awareness, your consciousness, your soul or your spirit, right? The I am presence that we all are, like the part of God happening as you, whatever words we want to use for it. 
but this is beyond words because you're aware that you're aware, right? And that consciousness is the basis of my book, Peace Under All Circumstances. So I was like, oh, I, I should be good at this, being at peace no matter what's happening. So by going deep into meditation, deep into my own awareness, that peace was and is, you know, always there. And that was the solace for me to say, all right, let me just go into that space, not even like transcendent above this world, but just right. deep within. Oh, okay. I have nothing going on outside of me right now. My life seems really crummy, but inside there's still peace and bliss and love and joy. Nothing can ever take that away from us. So my experience of my own challenges and my climbs through the years, even the loss of a child can be healed. We can heal from anything we go through. And that's you know, one of the most painful things you can go through. And yet you can still heal because the real you actually was never touched by any trauma anyway. And then your body, mind, emotions has a remarkable ability to heal, especially when we go deep into our essence, into spirit, uh, when we just let go and let God, you know, if you want to say it that way, we stop resisting, we just allow, we're not, like you said, we're not suppressing emotion. Things tend to move through us and pass and heal. And we do return back to balance and health and harmony for the most part. Uh, but, you know, especially with a loss like you're talking about, the heart and mind can heal, yet they heal so much faster when a person has a connection to their own soul or their own consciousness or the spirit that they are. Yes. I love that you say that because that's something that, that I think is so important for people to remember is that, you know, just like our, our body is in the state of, of homeostasis. You know, when, when it's hot, we sweat, you know, when, when we experience pain, you know, we may wince or we may cry or, you know, because we experience it, it's not something to be suppressed. And, and I mm -hmm. think that, that, you know, we, we need to reteach that, you know, or, or, you know, get in that space where we're saying, okay, I, I feel sad and I want to cry. So I cry, mm -hmm. you know, we, we hear this, unfortunately with our, our boys, you know, we tell them man up, suck it up, stop mm -hmm. crying. Don't do that. But it's so necessary for our bodies to do certain things that, that, you know, releases that, and allows us to be able to go on. You know, we don't sweat continuously. We sweat until our body cools off and then, then or, or we're, we're in a place where it's a little cooler. And then we're like, okay, we don't have to sweat mm -hmm. anymore. Our body has done what it needs needed to do. And, and I think mm -hmm. that's sometimes what we have to, to think about as well. You know, how do I go about making sure that that I'm allowing the things that are, are natural to, to flow in and through me so that that way I can process it and I can move forward. It's when we suppress it and it's when we hold it in that, that we begin to, to experience that dis-ease or that disease mm -hmm. that comes into our bodies because we're, we're up because of that suppression. Yep. I remember early on in my spiritual growth, I had a profound spiritual teacher who was saying, just don't suppress your emotions. And it was like step number one, if you want to grow, if you want to heal, stop suppressing. And I was like, nobody taught me that in high school. Nobody was teaching that at the university level. Uh, it was only in the deeper spiritual teachings that I heard, you know, especially like you said, like as a man, it's like, oh, I, I need to feel my feelings. I'm not supposed to just be an intellect living in my head. I have a heart. I have sadness and fear and anger and guilt. And it's like, well, what do you do with that? Number one, don't suppress it. 
Number two is actually I learned don't act out on it. People say, if you only hear step one, don't suppress, then you say, all right, well, I'm angry. Well, I'm going to act out of my anger then. If I'm sad, I'm, if my sadness wants to drink alcohol, I'm going to drink. Um, it's learning, number one, don't suppress. But number two, don't express. Don't act out on it. Expressing, you know, like talking to a friend is one thing or a therapist. But what, I, what my teacher meant by expression was don't act out on your stuff. If you're angry and you, your mind says, well, how do we make the anger better? Well, we could kill that person. Don't do it. Right? Don't do what your heart and mind is actually encouraging you to do to feel better. Right. So what happens is the heart is the root of the mind. So if the heart feels sad, the mind is a problem solving intelligence, tries to figure out what to do with the sad heart. Yeah. And, and the mind's going to just try on different ideas. Well, maybe donuts, no, no, donuts that never did in the past. Well, maybe alcohol. No, that's not quite good. Well, maybe crack cocaine. Oh, oh, I haven't tried that. Right, don't do that. Right, don't, right. don't listen to the neurotic mind trying to figure out how to make the wounded heart feel better. The solution was not to suppress and not to express, but just to sit still, relax your body, keep breathing, and just feel your feelings. It's a revolutionary idea, but you know, you've caught on to it, right? That feelings are meant to be felt. And if we do, they tend to clear and resolve themselves. It's when we tense our body and limit our breathing or find creative ways to suppress like drugs or alcohol or whatnot. But the most blatant form of suppression is just tensing and limiting the breath. So the people are catching on now as we're talking about the internet's really helping people to learn about techniques breath work is becoming ever more popular. Mm -hmm. And it's just the simple idea of there's techniques and whatnot, but it's breathing through your feelings, right? Allowing emotion to flow, you know, cry all your tears, laugh all your laughter, but just stop closing it down and stop letting it motivate behavior. If we just sit with feelings, they tend to burn themselves away. But the beauty is when they burn themselves away, there's more light, there's more love, there's more joy, there's more peace, there's more bliss. Because um, these teachings you know, started showing me we have blockages inside of us, yeah. but the blockages are temporary. And it's like wearing dark glasses, yet those are temporary. The sun is always there, right? Mm -hmm. So it's how do we clear these filters? How do we clear these blocks? They're absolutely techniques and facilitators who understand this stuff now, uh, much more than just analysis or talk therapy uh, or medications. Right? There are absolutely ways to liberate the human heart and mind uh, if we're just willing to ask the right questions to say, well, how do I do that? Not just how do I feel better, but how do I become truly free? Right, right. And that's, and that's the key. That's the key, trying to learn, you know, uh, how... How do I go about doing this? Just like I said, the, the platform of this show is it's for that reason to, to expose people to different ways in which we can again cope, create our peaceful existence. How how are those things possible? All right. So let's talk a little bit about hypnotherapy because that's something that is is, you know, your specialty, your your uh, you know, your institute talks about training uh and, and producing hypnotherapists. So talk a little bit about that process. Yeah, it was the most remarkable thing I had ever discovered. So I was a religion and philosophy major. Then I was living in monasteries and ashrams, spiritual communities, temples. Like literally, I was just, I was a monk and that's all I cared about. But again, I felt like I want to be more of service. I have a mission. Something's driving me to do more than just sit there and bliss out in a, you know, in a 
in a cave or whatnot, and it's not totally metaphorical. Like I did that stuff, um, but there's there's got to be more to the spiritual path than just that. So I actually went to Chinese medical college and spent um, about two years becoming a doctor of Oriental medicine. But I still felt like something's missing for me. It's a beautiful medicine, but just putting needles in people, just massaging people, it wasn't quite my thing. I, I wanted something that was more aligned to the spiritual mental level. And then I was actually getting a therapy session for myself, just traditional therapy, you know, back in my early 20s. And the therapist was like, you know, I'm not really sure I could help you with what you're dealing with, but why don't you go try hypnotherapy? And I did. And after the first hypnotherapy session, when I was coming out of the hypnotic state, there was a voice right in my face and it just said like the voice of spirit, whatever you would call that. And it said, you are going to be a hypnotherapist. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be an acupuncturist. Yeah. It said, no, you're going to be a hypnotherapist. It was such a shock because all the years of spiritual practice and all the years of Chinese medical studies, it was like, nope, all of this has led to the power of the mind. So in the Chinese medical clinic, we would have somebody come in with, let's say, shoulder pain. We'd put in needles or different techniques. Uh, but essentially, we weren't really getting to the underlying issue, the root cause, even though we kind of said we were because we we're dealing with the energy level. I was realizing, I think the energy level is actually more emotional, right? Because Chinese medicine talks about emotions affect the organ systems. Anger affects the liver, fear, the kidneys, anxiety, the heart overthinking the spleen stomach pancreas system it was so obvious that a major cause of illness in chinese medicine was unresolved emotions right. so in the hypnotherapy the first time i did a hypnotherapy training we regressed somebody back to the root cause of her shoulder pain it turned out that there was a past traumatic event but the memory was still lingering and the body was responding once we healed the memory the shoulder pain went away instantly but because she was a student in my first training I went through, the shoulder pain never came back. And we got to watch this person like week after week saying like, you know, reporting. And I was like, wow, I can't do that with acupuncture. I can't do that with talk therapy. I can't do that with uh, Western medicine. Like, like there's, wow. This is a way to get to the absolute root cause of suffering aligned with the deeper spiritual teachings. That's what had me hooked because I studied Buddhism and all these traditions that are dedicated to relieving human suffering like any religion isn't much of a religion if it doesn't relieve suffering right and buddha was all about i just want to relieve suffering i don't need to find god i would just if but if finding god relieves suffering fine but buddha was just like i want to be free of suffering help every help everybody else to do so when i found that hypnotherapy could get to the root cause of suffering and eliminate it because essentially it is mental Mm -hmm. uh, I was hooked. So yeah, like I said, I practiced for 10 years, seeing 25 clients a week. Uh, we've graduated over a thousand people now, over 15 years of running the school. And my goal, which we're getting close, but we're not quite there to measure is 15, uh, sorry, 1000 graduates seeing 15 clients per week. That's 15,000 hypnotherapy sessions that happen every week because of one person who just said, I want to relieve human suffering in the deepest way possible. So I don't want to take any personal credit for that. I just watched spirit moving me on this yeah. mission and realizing, wow, you know, I could meditate in a cave, but how does that really relieve suffering? I could 
put needles in people for acupuncture and that's going to help to a degree but what's the real root cause that's the mind and to have a what i'm seeing in my career is a movement of staff members and graduates who are helping to heal the world so that to me is why hypnotherapy is so important because it really can address the real root cause of suffering which again is the human mind yeah and that is huge it is huge and we're seeing that we're seeing so many uh you know people who are, are looking into self-care and looking within and and looking in, and being in meditative states and and looking into hypnotherapy and and really doing a lot of soul searching and realizing you know and and you hear things like shadow work you hear all kinds of uh, of terminologies like that where we're really digging deep into ourselves and figuring out the best way to to alleviate again that suffering that we're experiencing once we like you said get to that root cause and and mm. it is it is it is taking a deeper dive and there are some who are not ready to take the dive because they're fearful of what they may discover you know mm. but but you know if, if we're not willing to to you know connect with ourselves on that level it's going to be difficult for us to get to that space of healing or get to that space of change. And I think that some have, you know, as a result of this pandemic and having to sit with themselves, some have have started to say, well, hey, you know, there may be something to this. That's why we're hearing so much more about it. It's it's mm -hmm. no longer something that's taboo to talk about. You know, it, it's starting to become almost mainstream with with so many people coming forward and, and saying that, you know, they're doing this. But just like you said, it's important for us to to take that, uh, you know, that dive into finding out, you know, or finding qualified people who are able to do this, because now we're seeing some people, are just, you know, they're like, you know, for. $20, 1999, you know, you can, you know, we can help you with your problems. And, and it goes so much deeper than that. So it is important mm -hmm. for people to remember, not just to, you know, go online and find anybody, do your homework, do your homework, mm -hmm. take your time and, and look for those consistent messages, like you're saying, because there'll be someone to refute anything that you, that that's being said, there's always going to be someone out there to the contrary, but it's going to be, what are you hearing consistently? What are some things that people should be listening for or searching for when they're looking to, to uh, find a, a, a respectable or reputable um, hyp hypnotherapist? Yeah, um, so our school, Institute of Hypnotherapy.com, um, anybody could call and just ask for a referral. And that's the easiest thing. It's just our graduates have some of the highest standards of training in the world. And I can go into what those are, uh, but just generally, I can say uh, if somebody calls our school and says, I'm looking for a really good hypnotherapist in my area or someone who could do it online. Uh, you know you're going to get somebody who's graduated from a state licensed school. That's really important. Hypnotherapy is actually a federally acknowledged occupation. So to train people in the profession, you need to be licensed by the Department of Education, which we are. But if you're not, then essentially it's like saying, I'll just train someone for 1995 to become right. a medical doctor or to be right. a chiropractor. Right. Um, you know, you could do it on the internet and maybe get away with it for a while. But it actually is illegal. So you want to be sure you have a hypnotherapist who graduated from a state licensed school. If you're working on a medical, dental, or mental health condition, you need to be sure the person has the qualifications to work on that 
or the hypnotherapist understands how to work within the respective laws of their state. So if you're going to say, all right, I have bipolar disorder, I'm looking for a hypnotherapist, you need to be sure that person is qualified to work on those conditions. Um, number of hours of training, at least 500 hours is what we push for. You know, not a weekend workshop, not just 100 or 200 hours, right. uh, but our graduates have at least 500. Our entire training could afford about 1,500 hours of training. The other thing I look for, and it's what got me into this field, one of the things got me into the field, being a philosophy and religion major, I my college friends were uh, business majors, a lot of people were studying psychology and medicine, and I was studying the great saints and sages of the world's religious traditions. Those were the ma amazing role models, right? When you see the peace and the light and the love and the joy that's emanating from these people, that's mental health. Mental health is not, I need to get over depression. Mental health is, I feel one with my divine source. I'm enlightened to the reality of who I am. I feel empowered to create a beautiful life because I'm in touch with the source of my being. Uh, find a practitioner who says those type of things. <laughs> find a practitioner who's a role model for self-realization and enlightenment, because if not, most medicine and therapy is a movement away from pain, right? Let's fix the problem. Right. But I was looking at saints and sages who didn't have those problems, right? When you see somebody who's in meditation and they're just glowing because there's this inner light inside of them, that's what we want to be moving towards. So honestly, find a practitioner who you respect as someone who could actually be a role model for you. Uh, it's not just well, I'm a wounded healer, you're wounded, so let's just try to, you want to find someone who's closer to being a healed healer. It's kind of an ideal, maybe nobody's completely healed, but somebody has been around the block and has worked through their own issues. If not, you could say you have the blind leading the blind. Um, and people who are spiritually aware, it's worth finding someone who works on the deeper spiritual levels. In my private practice, when I see a client, one of the first questions is, okay, client, tell me your spiritual or religious beliefs. And then I want to help to deepen and nourish that. If they're not open to that, like fine. But I might say, what is your highest intention? What do you really want most? Well, I just want to lose weight. Well, why do you want that? Well, I want to be healthier. Why do you want that? Eventually people will admit, even if they're atheist or agnostic, like, what do you want most? I want inner peace. I want love. I want unconditional love. I want joy. I we all want those things, peace, bliss, love, joy, oneness, ecstasy. Find a practitioner who's tapped into that because that's what we want to be guided to. It's not just I need to alleviate my pain, the movement away from. Uh, find somebody who can guide you to. And a lot of people already know where they want to go. But again, having a practitioner who walks the talk, speaks that language, absolutely worth it. Plus, again, the qualifications. Yeah, for sure. yeah, I think that that's awesome. And, and, and you make a, a, a very valid point when we talk about, uh, you know, making sure that when we're when we're, you know, resolving that issue, we're alleviating that pain that we know what to do afterwards, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's so important. You know, I think about, you know, you, you spoke about about weight loss when people get to their goal weight you know, then they're like, okay, I've made it. They fought so hard to get there. And then it's like, okay, I've, I've achieved it. But, but what about the maintenance that comes along with right. that? What do you do afterwards? So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, I've, 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 I've done the work. I've done the research. I've, I've, you know, found the person and I've, uh, you know, started this process of, of, you know, relieving that suffering. But, but what do I do when those feelings, 
you know, if, if they start to come back or if I, if I'm feeling in a place of vulnerability or something else life-changing happens, you know, what do I do? So I know it's important for us to have a toolbox, you know, so to speak, that, that allows us to be able to reach back and, and have, have a resource to be able to tap in and say, okay, this is, this is, uh, you know, where I was and I've been, you know, removed from that space, but now I've had something else traumatic happen. What do I do now? Cause it's never a matter mm-hmm. of us wanting to revert back to where we were. And that's, and, and that's never, hopefully that's never the case once we've identified what it is, but we're human. So sometimes mm-hmm. those things will happen. And, and, and what do we do to, to, you know, make sure that we're equipped. So I, I love that you say, you know, make sure that you get someone who, you know, is a healer who has, who has reached that, that level and, and can talk about, you know, what to do once we, once we've, you know, gotten out of that space. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like to teach my graduates, my students, make yourself obsolete in the lives of your clients. Right. Right? I, they shouldn't have to keep coming back week after week, year right. after year. I'm a Course in Miracles teacher and practitioner. I can't recommend A Course in Miracles enough for anybody who's looking for a a path that could really take them as far as you'd want to go. And in A Course in Miracles, it teach it. The question comes up: Does healing need to be repeated? And it says no, (laughs) because once healing has occurred, that's it. So if we just say, "Oh, we got you to lose weight," is that healing? All healing is mental, right? So, like, why are you overeating? That's your mind. Why are you not exercising? That's your mind. Why do you have psychosomatic illness? By definition, that's your mind. Uh, But once your mind is healed, there's no reason why you would ever go back into those old patterns, right? So like an unhealed mind would say, I'm useless. I'm stupid. I'm bad. I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. And all those negative, that's just a small part of a big list that people carry inside of negative beliefs. That leads to all the negative emotions, right? Our negative beliefs cause our negative emotions and that causes our negative behaviors. But all of those false, and that stuff causes psychosomatic illness, but all of those false beliefs are false, meaning they can be corrected through waking up to the truth of who we really are. Once we do that, we don't fall asleep again, right? When Buddha was awakened, he didn't fall back to sleep. <laughs> he, when they asked Buddha, what happened to you I, under the bow tree when you were sitting there meditating, when you were enlightened, what happened? He said, I woke up. And that's what Buddha means, the awakened one. So yeah. like, if, if somebody wakes up to who they are, would they ever fall back into false beliefs, negative emotions, negative behaviors? The truth is they don't. So part of being healed is you really don't have to keep repeating the healing process. But like you're saying, it's important to be empowered with techniques, meditation, self-hypnosis, breath work, yoga, A Course in Miracles. All these teachings are out there. And yeah, have them in your bag of tricks. But yeah, when true healing has occurred, you, you shouldn't have to repeat the process. Beautiful, beautiful. And that's important for our listeners to hear too. So if you have someone who is out there who claims to be a hypnotherapist or somebody who's, and they're telling that you have to consistently be with them for years on end, know that they're, they, you know, their goal is to be obsolete. Just like you said, it, it's uh, important for them to do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, there are so many, you know, modalities and it's just important for us to identify which one works best for us to, you know, to get us to that place of healing. 
And, and like, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, there's, there's no, well, you know, once you reach that point of healing or understanding, then it shouldn't be something that has to be repeated. It becomes a new mindset and it becomes a mm-hmm. new way of life. And so, you know, that is the goal to, to get to that space where, where you are creating again, that peaceful existence so that you can mm-hmm. continue to move forward and, and there's no turning back from that point. So, you know, again, to kind of recap where we were, we were talking about making sure that first we find out who we are, who are we and, and, and where we are uh, spiritually and, and, you know, who do we believe in? Is it spirit? Is it source? Whoever that person or that being is in your life, just to be able to identify with that. You know, mm-hmm. and then also to, again, be able to sit with oneself, you know, because once you get to know yourself, then you can better start the process of healing. And I love that you mm-hmm. said, and I hope that people are taking notes. Don't suppress, don't express. I love that you said that that's what I had to write that down myself because I was like, aha, because it's not just a matter of suppressing it, but it is important not to express it, of course, in negative ways but to sit still with it and allow those feelings to flow through you, through your breath work, through, through just taking time to, to sit with oneself and not to, to act out on, on those feelings, especially in a negative way. So I love that you said that do not suppress, do not express. It's important mm-hmm. for us to remember that and that our feelings are meant to be felt you know, and that, mm-hmm. that's something that's important. And then again, when we're looking to to find someone to assist us in the process, that we're looking for someone who is qualified, who is licensed, who uh, is a a practitioner of spirituality, is someone who is is uh, you know has been healed or who has experienced the process. And we know that that's something that is is crucial. And you know, having some you know you're not able to connect with someone if they haven't experienced some of or or some you know uh closer type of of situation similar to yours so that, that way that connection is made so that, that mm-hmm. way you're establishing a relationship and and you're establishing that trust that's important for you to have when you are dealing with the mind and dealing with someone that that level of trust has to be there right mm-hmm. yeah. so so those things that like you said are are so important in helping us to to move to a space of emotional freedom, you know? And, and again, it starts with us. It starts from within. It starts with us taking that deeper dive into, to, uh, you know, self-discovery, self-regulation, figuring out those things that are going to be best for us so that, uh, you know, we hear it all the time that we can be better versions of ourselves. And how do we do that without changing mindset? It is all about your mind and your mindset. So, you know, I appreciate that, you know, but, you know, as we're wrapping things up, I definitely want people to have an opportunity to know how they can get in contact with you and how they can reach and how they can go about uh, getting the uh, book uh, uh, and it's peace under all circumstances, how they can go about finding out more information and uh, grabbing a copy of that book. Sure. Thank you. So our main website is instituteofhypnotherapy.com. There are abundant, like hundreds of hours of free resources on that site. So again, instituteofhypnotherapy.com, look for the free resources tab. One of my other projects, which you can find on that website, uh, or you can just go directly is onlinemonastery.com. 
I created that during COVID times, uh, onlinemonastery.com. It's 100 hours of free meditation and certification training, completely free. Wow. Um, and it's a system of meditation that kind of came to me in my own personal meditations. And it was so profound. It was like a series of revelations that I said, oh my God, like this is unique. And as much as I don't want to be a leader or a teacher of this, um, it is a very unique, powerful system. So yeah, that's onlinemonastery.com. And the Peace Under All Circumstances book, it's one of my five published books. Um, that, again, you get for free on YouTube, just putting in Matthew Brownstein, Peace Under All Circumstances. Okay, under Matthew Brownstein. Okay. Make sure I write this all down so that way we're sure that everyone can get this information. It'll be posted when the show airs so that way you'll be able to get in contact, uh, you know, with uh, Mr. Brownstein and also find out about his publications, find out about the free resources that are available and about his uh, online monastery.com, find out about some free training. These are all wonderful resources that we can use to help us in, in that uh, you know, discovering and, and embracing self. And I think that that's something that's important. It starts from within. And with that, I want to ask you also, you know, as I ask all of my guests, what are some things that you do to live in the now, to to live in this space that we're in? Yeah, well, meditation. <laughs> Again, uh, I meditate for literally hours a day. And it's I, I practice primarily Zen meditation. Uh, the Zen Buddhism is one of the most refined versions of the Buddhist teachings, which is essentially just sit, right? Just assume the position. Uh, so I make sure every day you know, again, I'm an advanced meditator. I've been doing it for 30 years. So I, I do hours and hours a day. Um, but yeah, I just encourage anybody five minutes, morning and evening. So uh, a lot of meditation, exercise for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Yoga, I stretch almost every day. I can't imagine what it's like for people who don't do yoga, how their bodies must feel. I've been doing Tai Chi and Qigong for mm -hmm. years to keep energy moving. That mm -hmm. feeling of lightness uh, is incredible. I can't imagine not doing yoga and Tai Chi, uh, just how blocked a person would feel. I do self-hypnosis every day. I'm on that recliner or the one upstairs. Um, yeah, at least half hour, maybe even hour a day. The hypnotic state is very self-regulating for the autonomic nervous system. When you go into hypnosis, you almost by default get out of the fight or flight mode and into the rest, digest and heal function. So definitely self-hypnosis. Uh, I don't personally do a lot of journaling, but I know it's a huge self-help technique that people are often recommending. But yeah, if I had to say one thing, learn to meditate and then maybe two things. Yeah, learn self-hypnosis. Okay. Okay. And mm. that is wonderful. These are wonderful techniques that, that, you know, those of you who are interested in can always go and, you know, do a deeper dive on those things. Take time to learn. That's something that's so important. We are just by nature creatures who, who have the ability to learn, have the ability to grasp different concepts. Uh, you know, I've always been told you learn from your womb to your tomb. We are lifelong learners and, and the things that we don't know, it's important for us to discover that that's mm -hmm. part of what makes life exciting. You know, what do you know, you hear sometimes on social media, you know, I was today years old when I found out this and that, you know, what are some things that you don't know that you can find out about 
that that may you know change the trajectory of your life like 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 Matthew said you know there are certain things you know I could, you can't imagine not doing yoga you can't imagine not meditating but but you had to first be introduced to it so that that mm-hmm. way you knew it was out there that you knew it was available so these are you know these are platforms that we're creating for for those who are listening to to tap into and to to be curious about, you know, it's about piquing your interest and finding those things that are going to help you get to a better space. So Matthew, I want to say, I thank you so much for taking time to be with us today, to talk about suffering, to talk about hypnotherapy, to talk about different techniques that we can use to help us to, to, you know, come into a better relationship with ourselves so that that way we can, you know, be who we need to be for those around us and those who who love us. And thank you for answering the call, you know, to hip, to, to hypnotherapy. That's something that's important. We have to learn to walk in obedience of those things that we're called to do. So that way we're not taking them to our graves with us, but that we're, you know, expressing them and, and making them available to those who are waiting to hear them from us. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you, uh, you know, responding to that call and for, you know, making yourself available to us today to talk about this and to those who are listening. So again, any final words that you have for our listeners before we go? Uh, thank you for the acknowledgement of listening to the call. I'll throw that. Thank you for doing what you do. Um, yeah, the, that is probably the deepest message. My first philosophy professor, I said, thank you so much. You really opened my mind. You changed my life, my way of thinking. And he said, good, stay on the path. And then just those four words, stay on the path. Mm-hmm. And that to me is, you said, like obedience to the call. We all have a mission. We, we all have a purpose. When we do other things, we suffer. When we fall off our path, we suffer. So knowing who you are, knowing what you're meant to do in this world changes everything to know you have a purpose you have a mission and between the womb and the tomb did you fulfill that purpose or or not like if you were sent to another country to go do a certain task but you do a hundred other tasks but not the one you were sent to do your mission was essentially wasted and you probably didn't have the success you could have so my personal success financial success everything has just come from listening to the call staying on the path right if the, the voice for spirit tells you to do something you're foolish not to do it. So yeah, just stay on the path. That's it. Stay on the path. And again, thank you. You are always welcome to come back and share with us things that are going on with you and with your uh, school and with your business. We're always happy to have you come back because what's happening now may not be what's happening a few minutes from now, a couple of hours from now, a couple of days or years from now. So once a, a guest, always a guest. So we're happy to have you and please come back and see us anytime. And with that, <laughs> I will say thank you all for being with us for this, this episode of the How Now podcast. And until we see you the next time, I say peace. Peace. Thank you, Kim. You're welcome. Thank <laughs> you.